people octopus dancing with me now hello everybody thank you for listening to kpft hd2 it is thursday night which means it is time for pop and schlock live the show that examines popular culture and media from an analytical lens i am your host uh writer author um general curmudgeon jay goodson dodd also known as jake for brevity's sake with me yes i remembered this time because i don't want you jumping in Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um with me as always is my co-host uh writer editor and professional improv comedian meredith nudo and hi we're sharing a mic today, so it's going to be, uh, it's its just going to be a free-for-all in here. And I didn't trim my nails for a reason. Yes. And we do have guests in studio, yeah. one of which is our, I believe, our first back-to-back. Ooh, that's no, me. Uh, Chris Skelton was our first. Uh, oh, yeah, Chris was. Okay. I thought our I second, was special. Our second back-to-back. Number two is yes. number one. Oh. That's me. That if you like, ain't first, you're last. You said number Did Ryan two come in two, two in a yeah. row? I'm pretty sure he yeah. I know. Ryan, Let's if you're out there, edgy. please let us know. We need to know. We need to. We really need to start making like a uh, like a fact sheet for the show. Like a sh- <laughs> we need a show bible. Post it up on the wall. We need a show bible for our uh, our long running radio show. But Karina, welcome back. Hi. Karina. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a surprising number of songs with like Karina in them. And, like, it got old by the time I was in kindergarten. But uh, I'm always excited to hear, like, a new one. Have you have you ever had Steve Winwood's Valerie converted to Karina? No. Karina, call me Karina. I, I just want to listen to the dulcet tones of your voice sing that through this entire podcast. I'll do a karaoke version of it just okay, for Okay, great. Someday. Thank you. You're welcome. And we have another return <laughs> guest too. Hello. 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 Who are you for the people listening at home? <laughs> I am Patrick Simmons and I am a comedian here of sorts, trying to be at least, in the Houston area. Yay! 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 Welcome back to the both of you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. All right. And this week we are going to be discussing. Uh, for better or worse, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, Venom. Venom. I think you mean Venom, 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 Venom. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, so I'm I'm not going to talk about that terrible Eminem song because uh, I was too busy laughing to take notes. Um, but there's so much that we can talk about. Where do we want to start? Um, it's so freaking awesome, and I'm tired of hearing it's not awesome. I love it. I love it. Give me some more of it. I feel like that's a good place to start. Okay, so um, I didn't... I don't hate this movie. Um, It's not like I walked out of it going, "Mm, burn it to the ground. Like, that wasn't my reaction. I walked out of it going, that was so dumb. And I think I liked it. Like, I, I felt like I walked out of it knowing exactly what they were, what they wanted to accomplish, knowing that they didn't accomplish that, but did something entirely different, and that's okay. 
I walked out of there going, I'm very glad that I don't have to kill Jake for making me watch this. And probably I'm going to buy it when it's on iTunes and play it in the background while I'm working. Hmm. See, I I didn't have super strong feelings about the... I, I have a thing in general about like superhero Marvel movies where I I think they're played out. I think I've seen too many of them. And to a certain degree, I, I was just excited to see the parts of this movie that like didn't look exactly like every other Marvel movie. So that was good. However, I did not think it was like a good movie. Oh, no, no one's no one is ever going to accuse this of being a good movie. I, I think uh, we're about to hear someone accuse uh, the, of uh, just that. Uh, uh, no, it is a dang good movie. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay, you're, you're gonna have to because uh, I'm not sure if I agree with that one. So here's why it's a good movie. No, it's not gonna win some award. No, it's not gonna stand up to the you acting. Say you or... say it's not gonna win awards, but Suicide Squad has an Oscar. Well, okay, so if they can, you're right. If they can win an Oscar, this is gonna win like ten. <laughs> um, no, so this is a dang good movie for all the reasons that people ignore. Right? It made you feel good. You laughed. You 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 were you were excited about the violence. You were excited about the fight scenes. You if you had any idea what who Venom is, and if you like comics, to me you're watching like a whole bunch. You know, like you're playing a video game, and it shows you like a theatrical ten seconds, and then you go back to playing the video game. This was like a really well done theatrical 10 seconds okay, over so, and over so and over again. Basically what you're saying is the entirety of the Venom film was a wonderful quick time sequence <laughs> that it was extended out to an hour and a half. It was just, it, it's what you expected from Venom. Funny, crass, violent. I don't, I don't know. Having, having read... I wouldn't say a whole lot of Venom, but at least enough to get by. I wasn't so much... I felt like it wasn't enough um, in that I felt like they kind of were pulling their punches a lot with regard to what with what they were doing with the character, with the aforementioned violence. Um, and you can you can see the seams of where they cut out what this was supposed to be an R-rated film and then stitched it back together as a PG-13. Like, we know that this is going to be adolescent boys coming to see this movie, so why not like try to cast a wider net? But I mean, adolescent boys still went and saw Deadpool. Yeah, and they're releasing a PG-13 version of Deadpool later this year, so... They want to add Venom to the MCU, so they made it PG-13 so they could do that. I would still love to see the R-rated cut of Venom. They they at least slipped their their one allowed F-word in there. Yeah. And here's the here's the thing with uh with what we got out of this venom. Um um I'm kind of angry that it did well. I was hoping that it would bomb so it would shut down Sony's attempts at making Spider-Man-less Spider-Man films because now we are going to have to sit through and it will be an entry on this show, the Jared Leto version of Mobius. So go ahead. Thank you, Venom. But maybe that means that they'll resurrect the Black Cat and Silver Sable movie. Maybe, perhaps. Which I like Black Cat and Silver Sable quite a bit. So I don't fault you for that. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, because everyone wants to see Black Cat and Silver Sable headline their own movie where they take on White Rabbit or some other 90s nonsense. I'm not, yes. I'm not being sarcastic. I legitimately do want to see that. 
I love like I love ba- bad '90s Spider-Man comics. I feel like that needs to like be entered into the discussion. Like I loved the early '90s, the the weird like whenever uh, Todd McFarlane took over and like just uh the uh what was it not not amazing spider not spectacular spider-man just spider-man that book the one that uh that were like there were 18 different variations on the first cover and i remember uh people bringing it into the comic book store that i worked at trying to like i thought this was worth something it's never even been opened uh yeah well i loved those i loved that run of comics um i loved that ridiculous era of comics and venom was a huge part of that i remember playing the maximum carnage video game on snes oh yes um like that that was all that was like peak childhood for me it was like the flip side of the coin to where uh i watched a lot of batman the animated series and on the other side of that there was like maximum carnage x-man animated series stuff like that so i'm into that whole time period i'm not as dismissive of like the 90s as some people are um but this film the seams on it show so, so very much. And that's why I, I can't say that it's a good movie. It's a movie, which is more than it should have been, uh, knowing that the, it was just an obvious cash grab. It doesn't have Spider-Man in it. There's like, there's so much of it that shouldn't work. And yet at the same time, it does. And it owes every bit of that to Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh, I completely agree with you on that one. Tom Hardy is a, Great casting for sure. Tom Hardy has amazing chemistry with himself. Yeah, he. Uh, the- Tom Hardy has zero chemistry with his love interest, but as we were commenting earlier, has incredible uh, chemistry with his love interest's boyfriend. Yeah, I was so like, I was so waiting for him and Doctor Dan to hook up at the end. Wild! It like, was great. There was there was such a there was such a bubbling like endearing bromance between the two and I just they deserve each other because Dan was the only one who was really supportive of Eddie throughout this whole thing oh yeah and also when she venom oh yeah spoiler she venom has a cameo in this when she venom pops up and gives Eddie the kiss in order to transfer the symbiote later on she claims that it was the symbiote's idea and I believe her well, here's the thing. Um, this is one of those things where I look at like the Spider-Man history of the character of Venom, and uh, I went and saw this with my friend, and he was we, as we were walking out, we were talking about how you know it doesn't make sense for Venom to stay on Earth because in the original in the original run of you know building up Venom as a character, the only reason that he wanted to stay was because he had this. They both had this massive hatred for Peter Parker, and that was what grounded Venom and what gave him a reason to exist. Um, and in this film, they kind of hand waved away why Venom wants to stay on the planet. But if you look at it and you do the read and you pay attention to what they said, basically Venom stays on Earth because he's horny on Maine for Eddie Brock's wife. That is exactly why he stays. And also because he's a loser back home and nobody likes him. Yeah. Eddie Brock's a loser like him. So yeah. right. it's too it's relatable content. So Venom uh, And so, he wants to be in a triad with, with Eddie Brock, his ex wife and himself. So Venom mm. basic Venom basically Turns the symbiote itself. <laughs> the symbiote itself doesn't want to go back to his home planet to be an incel. So he stays <laughs> on Earth because he knows it's the only way that he can hook up with semi Chad Eddie Brock and get with uh <laughs> And get with uh, get with Eddie Brock's oh, ex-wife, who he has a massive stupid crush on. I, I, I just... That is canon. I was waiting for Venom to drop in a line to be like, You don't know darkness. 
Oh, <laughs> I, I was born there. I oh man, uh, Tom Hardy and his accents. I don't know what he was trying to do. It was a lot. He was it doing was so much, a lot. It was so much. Was, there like were just times, many times where I I was like, oh, that sentence like, just like, happened. Is he, is he? I was like, is he trying to do? Elmer Fudd from Brooklyn? Like, is that what he's trying to do? Like, like, oh, be that, be that, be that, be quiet. I have a symbiote. Like, I, like, I, I don't know what he was trying to do, but I loved it. So, uh, here's, I have to point out, if I'm gonna complain about something, it's like they had 44 options for background music, and they said, let's play 10 all at once. <laughs> and then every now and then we're going to throw in an occasional guitar riff. It Also, it just hit me that uh, Tom Hardy's accent reminds me of Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. And yes, yes, with what you just said about the music. I, I want, desperately want Charlie Day. I want Charlie Day <laughs> to play Toxin in an eventual Venom sequel. Oh no, I want Charlie Day to be the new Spider-Man. Yes. Oh my God! Can you imagine? That'd be amazing. I mean, he he he. You know, he's would only be able to do it during the day because. Oh Lord. Oof. Oof. But yet, somebody laughed. Somebody did. Nobody listening to this show. Anyway. Um, yeah, Char Charlie Day is going to show up in a Marvel film eventually. Everyone does. Well, he's already in the, the what is it, the Pacific Rim movies. Yeah, and he was he was great because he knew what movie he was in. Glenn Howerton was almost Star Lord. Glenn Howerton would have been an amazing Star Lord. Oh, I know. He would have like he would have sold the crap out of uh, that Infinity War moment. Mm -hmm. I can I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love like how clearly the Stanley cameo was just shoved in there because it's it's for I'm those watching it's right at the last second I'm almost dead Excelsior <laughs> that's the whole thing you know you mentioned Riot earlier so Riot is the uh, the main the, bad the guy you know the antagonist symbiote. symbiote he was to me and I know I love this movie right but to me he was the only thing I hated about this movie because it was so cheesy and the way and his and his CGI because they turned him gray looked terrible. Oh, the third act itself, the third act climax, the C, the CGI explosion that uh, made absolutely no sense. Um, it uh, I I really dislike whenever these movies devolve into nothing but a pixelated mash like a a pixelated fist fight. Um it's so much so that uh it was one of my main gripes with like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was the fact that it just became pixels everywhere. Um and I felt like they didn't earn that moment with another symbiote. I don't feel like they really built that very well. It um, did come out of like absolutely nowhere. Like we knew that was where they were going, but it that moment didn't feel earned and I don't feel like uh like Carlton Drake as a villain was developed enough to make the riot aspect of it work. No, Riot was a terrible villain. I was here for Venom all the way. My question is like who in in God's green earth is representing Carlton Drake's, like, the people that are suing him. Because that is, like, 
money in the bank if they can just bring that to court instead of settling out. And I just it it hurts me to like watch that because I'm like, no, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. It's bad. No, sir, I don't like it. Um, I. <laughs> There's there's so much of this movie that just if you try to apply logic to it, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. It's like you're you're just walking into a dark room that's filled with open manhole covers. I just want to spend like five minutes inside Carlton Drake's mind in this movie to see what sort of nonsense is running through it at all times. Like what kind of crazy risky well, behavior? I, I imagine it's just money, 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 money. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, money. Well, I feel like these movies, uh, and I, I'm speaking about basically all superhero films. We have exhausted the hey, let's just do what if Elon Musk was the uh, villain? Like I'm so yeah. over it. Um, I mean, he- I mean, kind of is. well, legitimately, I, I remember uh, before he resigned as uh, the, as the head of the board of Tesla, someone's like, you don't force Elon Musk out of Tesla. Do you want a Green Goblin? That's how you get Green Goblins. <laughs> well, I mean, they Do you know how much I've sacrificed. <laughs> Hashtag Willem Dafoe. Elon Musk was in here, right? Like f- firing off rockets into space to find new worlds. And- oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean For that's real. yeah, that I mean that's that's exactly he's if ever we are going to get a real world supervillain it's going to be Elon Musk. Yeah, does he have a pharmaceutical business? I yet? don't. He will. Yeah, cuz that's what he's He's going to start one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I could suspend belief uh, or disbelief, I should say, um watching this movie for everything except for Are you kidding me? Your ex-girlfriend just saw you eat a head in a symbiote's body? And there's all this carnage around you, and uh, and she just goes, "Oh yeah, okay, it's well, you. I be, trust you. To We're be good. fair, to be fair, Michelle Williams in this film was sleepwalking through the whole Ooh, thing. It's like she did not want to be there. She was just like, um, I gotta, I gotta pay that private school tuition for my kids. Just." Look at the camera and like appear present. That was the that was all we got out of her, and she has admitted that she was here for the paycheck. The only professional in this movie, like or involved with this movie, who is Tom worse, Tom Hardy, who is worse than the lawyers who are suing the the pharmaceutical company, is her agent. It's just it's bad. It's bad. The real villain of this picture, <laughs> um, and I don't I don't blame her for just like. Muscling through. She was. It was like she was reading off a of cue cards I mean, the whole well, she time. She was in Dawson's Creek, right? I don't. I, I am not familiar with the extensive film career of Michelle Williams. Creek. I like that. You know, very early on in the movie, they throw in the little like sex scene for us, so that we like can actually believe that they have sex. Like they have to show. And it. nobody has sex right after playing music in their living room. No, that's not how real life works. Uh, well. This, so, none of this is how real life works. Well, well I don't know about yeah. you. Well, a lot of this. <laughs> when is, I got a symbiote, I just got diarrhea. Give <laughs> me that. Um, so everything, like everything that works in this film, did not come as a direct result of the script. But everything that works in this film came as a direct result of choices made by Tom Hardy. <laughs> I need to I like this movie is carried on his back yes. the entire way through like his decision to turn Venom into a uh into Elmer Fudd from Brooklyn and it's like 
Whenever they did the uh, the di- whenever they did the uh, the restaurant scene, he's like, I, you know, I, th- I think I should get in. I should get in the lobster tank. <laughs> and they're like, that that lobster tank is not meant for people to get in it. Yeah, but I think I should really get into the lobster tank. <laughs> and so they built a bigger lobster tank so that Tom Hardy could get into it, because Tom Hardy makes acting decisions. Tom Hardy was in a completely different movie as everyone else. Now, Patrick, I know that you disagree with me, and you were free to offer a rebuttal, but it seemed to me like Tom Hardy was in a body horror comedy with homoerotic overtones, and everyone else was in a straight-to-video sci-fi movie. True. It was like a, it when was you like, do a movie that is based on a character that talks to himself or to the other person that's inside of him. You, I think you have to have somewhat of a selfish point of view in in the movie. So everybody else, yes, was kind of like side piece furniture. No, no, I just mean tonally. Oh, okay. No, I mean I completely understand why Tom Hardy would take center stage, and I thought he was great in this. And I thought he was obviously having fun, and I liked I liked that he was playing both Venom and Eddie Brock at the same time and basically talking to himself. But tonally, mm-hmm. it was a very strange... So I don't mind that, that, like you said, it has to be centered on him because he's the point-of-view character and he's talking to himself for most of the time. But just everything around him was tonally so different than what was going on. Oh, uh, I disagree entirely on that one. Um, everybody knew exactly what movie they were in. Um, Riz Ahmed... <laughs> Playing Carlton Drake, he knew exactly what movie he was yeah, in. Yeah. Like there, there is, uh, and Doctor Dan knew exactly <laughs> what movie he was in. Um, Jenny Slate knew exactly what movie she was in. But I don't think the audience necessarily knows what oh, movie no. they're in. No, the, the, the audience for this walked in expecting one thing, and I'm pretty sure they got um, something else entirely. Something that I I actually really enjoyed was some of the more like real body horror yeah. moments. Oh, I thought yeah. that I thought that worked really well. And well, in my theater, like the the folks who were watching it, um there are some like body horror moments that are played for laughs. There are others that are clearly not like when homeless people are like shuddering to their deaths yeah. with a symbiote. Yeah. Um people in my theater were laughing at this. Like that was what got most of the laughs in this movie. Well, it's, it's, and so either either I'm watching movies at the AMC 30 with a bunch of sociopaths, <laughs> or... If you were watching movies at the AMC 30, you were watching with a bunch of sociopaths. Hey, hey, theater. no hate for the AMC 30. I like it. It has $5 Ticket Tuesdays, which is when I saw this movie, which is two days ago, and I don't remember most of it. I so, saw this movie two margaritas deep, and I remember more of it than I really wish that I did, uh, because there are things that are seared into my brain. I remember walking out of it going, if the sequel does not give me more Venom Dog, I am going to literally bite someone's head off. That was the biggest wasted opportunity in the film, was that we didn't get an extended Venom Dog sequence. If the sequel has any more drones... I swear to God. What? There were like 50,000 drones following this guy around. I think that was supposed to be like a socio-political commentary on the state of the world that we live in. No, I'm giving it way too much credit. I'm giving this movie way too much credit. I think they just wanted, like, somebody 
at the studio bought a bunch of drones <laughs> and they were like we we can't use this to film a bunch of shots we, <laughs> we didn't use it in fast and the furious 12 right. so we need to <laughs> we need to get rid of this somehow it's just sitting in a warehouse somewhere <laughs> they're like i guess venom i i feel like that would explain a lot of what's happening in this movie if <laughs> it's like we just had you know michelle sitting in a warehouse somewhere <laughs> we gotta put her to use somewhere somehow <laughs> i um, wanted I honestly wanted to see more of the body horror. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I well, can agree with you on and that it, one and for here's sure. Here's the thing: um, looking at looking at the movie, there was a lot more humor than I thought there was going to be. Whenever I I expected this to be like, I expected this to be Batman versus Superman, <laughs> where all of the comedy was unintentional. And I believe that if you look at the tone of the film overall, the um, the comedy in it is intentional. Like they, it wasn't There's like some jokes that land. Th there are there yeah. are jokes that were that were lobbed at us, and we caught those. Now there is some unintentional comedy, but not as much as like. There's no like Granny's peach tea moment in this. Um, it's all of the jokes are firmly on the like. Oh, Tom Hardy has excellent comedic delivery, um, and it works. So the fact that there is such a sharp contrast between body horror comedy, body horror comedy. Now it's a sci-fi thing. It w it was tonally all over yeah. the place. Did you notice the right. first joke, the first joke of the movie, where the little girl's like trying to ask a question, and and um, no, please, nobody should silence this girl. And then he uh, brushes her off to attend to some other business, and never she never gets to ask a question. Did you notice that? Yeah. That's good. That's solid. Yeah, like, I don't like that at all. Like, there's, I mean, there's, this film, like I said. I could imagine Elon Musk doing that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was totally realistic. Um, I, I want it to be, like, played up more. There, there's a lot where I was like, you, you gotta go, like, full ridiculous if you're gonna go here. But there was, like, some sort of hanging back. Well, I, I you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. And I, I'm going to, Say this with the caveat that I went into Venom not thinking about the previous film incarnation of Venom because I didn't think it would be fair to do any kind of comparison that in this particular case, the only thing that I should judge the film against is itself. But honestly, a lot of the, a lot of what they were going for in terms of jokes, in terms of combining body horror with some, some comedy with some sci-fi, it was very hard to not see this as Sony trying to do a Sam Raimi movie without Sam Raimi, but not a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. There was some, it really kind of struck me as like this, as more their effort to do kind of an army of darkness sort of thing with Venom. And it, that stood out for me. It was like, they really wanted Sam Raimi for this. I bet. I'll give you that a little bit. Well, and well, my thing is, it's obvious that they filmed this thing as an R-rated feature, mm -hmm. and oh, that for they sure. and yeah. that they butchered cut, cut it. Down. They butchered it, and the seams show. So I get, I feel like a lot of our issues were like it's so tonally inconsistent. That tonal inconsistency comes from the edit bay. It's not at a script level. Now, are they going to release the R-rated version? I don't know, but I mean, Tom Hardy like came out and was like, they, they cut the 40 minutes of the movie that I really liked. <laughs> that's my terrible, that's my terrible Tom Hardy as Venom uh, impersonation. But yeah, he's like, they cut 40 minutes of the film that I really enjoyed. So oh, there's wow. like 40 minutes floating out there that could possibly like show us what it was that attracted Tom Hardy to the project. 
because Tom Hardy is a discerning actor. Oh, yeah, and I, I really, like you said, you can see the seams of where it was cut, and honestly, I really think that this should have been an R-rated movie. I think it would have worked better to have Venom kind of do more of the Deadpool thing. How do you have a movie <laughs> with those teeth and that bloodlust and wanting to eat heads and go, yeah, we want more little kids to see it. Yeah, I know, yeah. especially considering, exactly. especially considering that I, I guess we'll go deeper into spoiler territory. They clearly set up a sequel that's going to have carnage, and by carnage I mean Woody Harrelson in a stolen Ronald McDonald wig. You better not make a carnage movie PG thirteen. That makes yeah, no be. sense. It will be. The the producers have said it. Oh, carnage doesn't have to be R rated. It's more. It's more about the implication than it is. Carnage about has the no. At least Venom has like some sort of ability to hold himself back. Carnage is just carnage. Right. Death. And mayhem. I think that if you wanted to do a PG thirteen Venom movie, don't do Eddie Brock. Do Agent Venom. Oh, yeah, 100%. If they wanted to do a standalone Venom movie without Peter Parker and have it be PG-13, they could have done Agent Venom. 100%. Right, because I think original Venom, like we've been saying, R-rated for original Venom. Original original recipe Venom, but then you get extra crispy uh, Agent Venom. <laughs> By the, the way, Spider-Man is coming to a Venom movie. They just can't... I really don't think so. No, they can't do it before they put out the next Spider-Man or the new the next Avengers movie. So they're going to have to let that happen. Look, and then they're well, going to... If you look at the, 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 the fine print on the Sony Marvel deal, um, I don't think that it's going... I don't know if it's going to happen. Or if it happens, I don't know if uh, they'll want to option Tom Holland's, like... You play Spider-Man X number of times. I don't know if they're going to want to utilize that for a Venom movie. Oh, it would be Miles Morales. Well, I hope so. I love Miles. Yeah. I mean, they're they're already coming out with the what's what's the name of it? The animated one that's Spider-Verse. Spider yeah. Spider yeah. I'm so excited for that one. Yeah. I like looking at. Um, there was a preview before the movie, and then after, in like the second, you have this sort yeah, of clip the from that. Clip, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really excited about how like the animation looks, the style oh, for that beautiful. movie that's it's coming beautiful. out. Like, it's and beautiful. it it feels so true to like comic books in a way that I really, really also, like. It, also, it has John Mulaney playing Spider Ham. So yeah. I'm just great, on board. great. Uh, and to please to please the internet, Nicolas Cage as uh, amazing Spider Man Noir. But uh, no, it's got a gorgeous color palette. Oh, it looks awesome. And uh, to to bring up something that you said earlier, Patrick, um, like I I think that a lot of times when you're adapting from comic book to screen, like people want to stick so hard to like what the fans are expecting of the comic genre when you're switching it so dramatically to like the screen that it just doesn't work it feels like tonally weird like it doesn't make sense um but there are some things that work on a comic book page that, that do, do not, not work in film yeah especially live action yeah but this animation style like to get a little off topic and just be excited and like happy about something for once um like I, I just think that that's gonna be super cool to like yeah. actually see. I mean, put it'll, out be, there. it'll be it'll be great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just I look at what Sony is doing with their Spider-Man centric properties without including Spider-Man, and I just so much of it does not work for me. Like, there's nothing that would make me want to see Morbius the Living Vampire a standalone film. Maybe if they cast someone other than Jared Leto. 
I don't think you could cast anyone in that and have me be interested. Um, Spider-Man has some of the most interesting side characters and villains in all of comic book history. But on their own, I don't necessarily think that I would want to sit down and watch a movie about any of them. What makes them so interesting is how they contrast to Spider-Man. One of the things that I like about Venom as a character is how his ethos pairs up against Spider-Man, against Peter Parker. And that was one of the things that I really took issue with in this film, is that on a base level, they changed Eddie Brock so much from what he is on the comic page to make him palatable as a solo lead. Because Eddie Brock, on paper, is a terrible human being who you should not empathize with at all. And instead, they turned Eddie Brock into basically a crusading white knight. Basically, they gave him a lot of Peter Parker's characterization, that sort of, you know, fighting against the woes of social injustice and wanting to bring down the people who abuse their power. That's a very Peter Parker thing. Whereas Eddie Brock was just out for fame, notoriety. He wanted to see his name in lights. He wanted to get the byline. He wanted to get the credit. So the change in the character on that level didn't work for me. So whenever I look at this film, I'm like, yeah, it's a Venom movie, but it's very much not a Venom movie. And I like there was one line in there where I feel like they were sort of trying to bring in that jaded Eddie Brock where he's like, I'm, I'm done helping people. I'm not going <laughs> to help anybody anymore. That's not his voice, but like that's yeah. the vibe. Um, and this this comes immediately after the scene where he's like giving money to homeless people yeah. and like helping everybody out. I'm like, we don't buy work. this. It doesn't work. I, for I don't a second. Buy, I don't buy it. I would have, I honestly think the more interesting movie would have been trying to get us to care about basically what amounts to a uh, uh, a attention grabbing sociopath. Let like let the character like let your protagonist be like a bad dude. Like just let that happen. So I think that'd be compelling and interesting. What you're saying is you want Venom starring Joe McMillan. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I oh. mean that would that's that that's a compelling story. But it, is Joe McMillan gonna jump into the lobster tank? That's my question. I would. I'm not going to say anything because uh, we've we've gotten in trouble with Lee Pace fans in the past. <laughs> um, we have. Oh man. Oh, I'm going to have to tag this. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like if you watch. No, 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 we're past that now. We don't have to do that SEO trick that we found anymore. Okay. We're um, free now, Jake. But like we're the. <laughs> the, the the thing is, like, if you watch Halt and Catch Fire and you look at that person as a character, you can get emotionally invested in their story. I mean, if you look at, I mean, stuff like Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, there's the idea of, like, having somebody who is a supremely flawed, terrible human being be engaging as your central protagonist. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that... Um, the people working on this film wanted to put that much nuance into what they were doing. They're just like, uh, we need, need make money, CGI symbiote. For the same reason that they're scared of like going for the R rating, right? Like you don't want to, you don't well, want to yeah, alienate yeah. people by making it too alien, yeah. making it too alien. Well, ah. <laughs> but the thing is, we live in a post Logan, post Deadpool reality. Now. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know that they are that afraid of that R rating. I think the only thing that made them afraid of that R rating is because Sony hasn't really taken that plunge yet. Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Sony Sony's is living in the past. So PG thirteen. Well, well, the thing is, this film has been in development. Sorry. since okay. since Spider-Man 3. 
This has been in development and gone through so many stages and so many incarnations. This is like Avi Arad's little pet project. Oh, it's it's been around since you know 2005. Well, they said, oh, you screwed up Venom once. We can't do it again. Well, originally it was supposed to be a spinoff of Spider-Man Three. Yeah, and well, then- that expands the Sam Raimi mm-hmm. kind of varnish to it. Well, I'm, and I don't know like how much. I, I, this script has been rewritten and reconfigured and re and passed on and you know reconfigured so many different times. That My grandfather gave me this script for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It's been passed down in our family for generations. Look at me, boy. <laughs> Do you see this? This is the script for the Spider-Man Four. I checked I, this out to the library 13 years ago. I stole it from the cold, dead hands of my predecessor. <laughs> the, did you know the, the original script for this was actually lost in the fire at the Library of Alexandria? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Patrick. Yes, ma'am. So I ma'am. couldn't help but notice when your phone was upside down that you wrote in all caps, Carnage was so FCC violating word well cast. Yes. We haven't had a chance to talk about Carnage. Okay, so listen... You want me to see Carnage? You want me to come back and spend Buku's amount of money? You make Carnage Woody Harrelson. And here's the thing. Like, I'm not even surprised by that casting because this thing was directed by Ruben Flesher who did Zombieland. Yes. So, like, I knew he was going to try to find a way to get Woody Harrelson into this thing because they're really tight. Um, and I'm pretty sure he would have found a role for Jesse Eisenberg if he hadn't, like, literally drowned the pooch with Lex Luthor. <laughs> I'm telling you, Woody Harrelson could very well, if he's smart, could very well win an award for his portrayal as as Carnage. I'm calling it here and now. Because if you think about about his prior work, and you know what I'm talking about when he was a homicidal maniac. And that's the thing. It's like... It's perfect casting, but at the same time, it's such well-trod ground at this point, isn't it? Like, is he really going to be able to do anything better with that type of character than what he did with uh, Mickey Knox back in Natural Born Killers? Like, is there anything new to bring to that type of character other than, like, having him bounce off of Tom Hardy? Maybe not, but knowing that he has that background as Mickey gives me... Uh, Can we, we should... the. The next movie should just be a Natural Born Killers reunion. Like, let's get Tommy Lee Jones in there somewhere. Um, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to make an appearance, uh, but we could possibly get uh, we could get Juliette Lewis in there. Rodney Dangerfield is dead. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm I'm thinking like a Men in Black kind of uh, spinoff with, you know, um, Venom is Will Smith and and Car- and then you have Tommy Lee Jones as a partner. Mm. I would watch that, especially if they got Brian Fuller to direct. Well, I just, w- I just want Tom Hardy and Tommy Lee Jones to exchange dialogue for, <laughs> like that. W- that would just be, it would be brilliant because you know that Tom Hardy be like, I, I, I just I ate a whole lobster. I don't know what, I don't know why I did it, but I, but I, I took the rubber bands and I ate those too. And then Tommy Lee Jones, boy, I don't even know what you're saying. I can't understand a damn thing you said. They're just mumbling at each other for a good forty-five minutes and then like they cut to black and that would be worth it i would see that film <laughs> and then uh and then harrison ford shows up asking him about a one-armed man <sighs> it's funny i got into this conversation weird tangent i got this conversation on twitter uh where somebody was talking about the movie the fugitive and i'm like you know what i've seen the fugitive maybe twice in my life but i have watched the sequel u.s marshals more times than i can count <laughs> because it was one of the first movies i owned on dvd 
And that movie had an amazing cast. Oh, Wesley Snipes! Wesley Are you Snipes, kidding? Robert Downey Jr. It was it. It's one of those movies that people forget about, but they shouldn't because it's 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 not a good movie. I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but like it's insanely watchable. Joey Pants for crying out loud! I and where hands down to you, sir. Where is where is his Marvel Universe role? Where is uh Joe Pantoliano? He needs to be in something. He would have been a, a really good. I mean, this is this is DC, but he would have been a good Rorschach. Oh yeah, I'm. I mean, he would have been, and there's so many people he could have played in in Marvel too. Because uh, I mean, maybe he'll show up in Daredevil some. See, point. he would be a better Morbius, the living vampire, than Jared Leto. Granted, I have a shoe that would be better at most things than Jared Leto. I don't like Jared Leto. I I don't think. Here's the thing about Jared Leto. <laughs> um... Blade Runner 2049 was a darn near perfect film, but every time he showed up on screen, I wanted to projectile vomit. Man, we just have so many different views. I absolutely loved that movie. I loved his role in it. I could not stand him. And I, I could not stand him. He, had, he I, I think his his face is just so innately punchable that it brings out a rage in me that uh, I'm surprised does not accompany a green monster. See, I feel like Suicide Squad would have been awesome if they took away the Enchantress and if Jared Leto's Joker was the guy constantly breaking in and trying to steal Harley away. If that was the villain and he had his time that they cut all his time out, I think it would have been a much more watchable film. See, what I my my views about Jared Leto is that he has kind of given the world a misconception as to what good method acting is. So he he pulls all these stunts like I sent everyone a bunch of used condoms and I sent a whole dead pig to Viola Davis and made her husband mad. I'm edgy. That's not what method acting is. Method acting is supposed to be taking whatever gifts, and you guys are comedians, so you get what I'm saying. You take whatever gifts you're given from your scene partners, use those, and then give them right back. So he's got that same problem that Johnny Depp has where they act in a hole where they want to absorb everything around them and be the center of attention, but not give anything back for the other actors in the scenes to work off of. And this is why Jim Carrey's acting in Man on the Moon was not worth all the, like, stuff that he put the cast through. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. That movie That movie is an all-time great, so I'm going to disagree Ooh. with you on that you one. You were so wrong uh, that I don't, I have to hold and, back my and, fake rage. And it, here's <laughs> the thing, though. These, these men get praised for doing these bizarre stunts in the name of quote-unquote getting into character and everything. And it gives people, again, the wrong idea as to what constitutes good acting. But then, by contrast, you know, I mentioned that he sent that dead pig to Viola Davis and everything. Viola Davis, a Juilliard-trained master of her craft, who doesn't have to pull stunts like that to create these amazing, well-rounded, interesting, compelling characters and give and take in a scene. And she doesn't get nearly the credit that Jared Leto does and when she does she got it much later in life so like I'm not going to sit here and completely argue with you but I'll say that what I think it is with Jared Leto's case right is yeah she doesn't have to do that because she's a good actress he has to do that to get to to the point to where it's even probably something that passable but 
going back to the Andy Kaufman portrayal, <laughs> if you know anything about Andy Kaufman, he did those things. He did every single one of those things. And so for Jim Carrey to be recreating, I mean, if you watch the documentary, people who were involved with the film Man on the Moon will tell you that who knew Andy Kaufman will tell you he was Andy. Yeah. It was it was that was a per, that was a perfect performance and every, it's it's one of those movies that I go back and watch repeatedly because I think it's one of the most underrated films of the last like 25 years. Absolutely. Um and like he, there were people working on that film who knew Andy and who like had personal first-hand experience working with him as a person and they they will talk about how that was a perfect fitting portrayal of his legacy and the only you know? reason people were that were being pranked or whatever were put off by jim carrey if you watch the documentary it wasn't because of the things he was doing it's because he was so andy that they it brought, it back, brought back the life and the memory and the death and everything back to memory right it's in their it's, face it's just like i swear if there were people who were still alive who were around to see um <laughs> uh daniel day lewis play lincoln they'd be like yeah, that's my president <laughs> so, <laughs> but but they're all dead so that's the only reason no one complained and then they saw uh the one with zombies right oh we covered that back whenever this show was a podcast. We Abraham did. Lincoln, va Vampire Hunter. It was, was like, that, was that, was, that yeah, it was before your time. That was like the second movie we did. And, oh, it, it's, it's a, uh, it started, it's, I believe that was the first film that started the tradition of, we're just going to kind of uh, absentmindedly cover everything that Mary Elizabeth Winstead does in no, her career. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I never saw that movie. Is it everything I dream that it is? It is so everything that you dream that it is. Next level bonkers. <laughs> it's to, ridiculous. Uh, to, borrow, to borrow a turn of phrase from Jason Manzukis, it is next level bonkers. Oh my right. god, he is a ninja. Abraham Lincoln is basically a ninja with a axe. Amazing. Yeah, it's wow. That sounds really historically accurate. It's see, it is historically accurate. Um, it's just um, it's it's one of those things where our history our history teachers working in education today they just they don't have the time to fully embrace the curriculum that they should, and that's just because our state education system is drastically underfunded. So they only teach to the test, and unfortunately, the in the state of Texas, the uh, the U.S. History Star Exam doesn't focus on the ninjutsu of Abraham Lincoln. They just don't, so they skip over it. This was a long lead up to that punchline. That was a that was a lot that was going on, Jake. See, I would I would I think I think that Lincoln would have been improved with ninjutsu. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. It just would have been improved with, with ninjutsu. He knew it. He went to Japan and studied underneath <laughs> masters that have known it for years. Maybe I saw a different cut. I think you saw the wrong version of The Last Samurai. Um, underneath that big top hat are some nunchucks and some throwing stars. I want to see the crossover of um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and um, Lizzie from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, who who also trains with oh, masters of martial arts. Speaking of showdown between Lizzie and Abraham Lincoln, can you imagine? I, I would love for because there's a whole universe of those. Like there was Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters, right? Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Abraham Lincoln's uh, Vampire Hunter. There's like a whole bunch of those. I would love for them to do like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yes. can you imagine Abraham Lincoln uh, riding Nessie? Just. <laughs> 
Like just riding Nessie with some double swords, yelling "Arg!" I want to see a Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter versus John Wilkes Booth vampire. Ooh, Ooh. he has a silver bullet. He was an actor, so he could play Morbius. We have um, we have yes anded ourselves into a corner. <laughs> That's not how yes anding works. So, yeah. All you got to do, baby, is yes and yourself out of that corner. Well, we only ha- we only have like seven minutes left. So just start no budding. Okay. Yeah. Um, Seriously. Speaking 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 of no butt. Um. So Tom Hardy, my ex boyfriend. <laughs> am I right? Oh. So, Never mind. So, Whatever. Um. I am. I am a little disturbed by how many people walked into this movie thirsting after not Tom Hardy, but Venom. Like, I have never seen so many, like, people who were horny for monsters until the trailers for this thing came out. Have you seen that tongue? Oh my god, that tongue, baby. There, like... I just I want to I want to take that tongue and I want to hack it off and I and I want to cure it and then I want to wait for it to be really nice and soft and then I want to slice it and then I want to put it on a sandwich with some turkey and some Russian dressing and some sauerkraut. Meredith, I think you just ended feminism. I think it's over now because of Meredith has ended feminism like eighteen <laughs> times on this show. Did, did, did you know? Like, could feminism you tell the first time? <laughs> <laughs> The first time we heard Have a Nice Life, did you know that was going to hit a third beat? Honestly, no. I felt it. And then after the second beat of Have a Nice Life, I just knew at the end of the movie you're going to hear Have a Nice Life. Maybe I maybe I just was uh maybe I just wasn't paying that close attention or caring that much about the script because I was too mesmerized by the choices that Tom Hardy was making. The lobster tank was an awesome choice. Yeah, the lobster tank was an awesome choice. As, as and that was one of the scenes that totally I was like, this this is a Sam Raimi movie, not Sam Raimi. No, you know how I knew it was like there were leftover Sam Raimi elements was um, his interaction with the neighbor. Yeah. Because that seemed to be a recurring theme in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. It's just like, oh, um, this is a thing. Superheroes have neighbors. You know who I... angles on those scenes, too. Mm-hmm. You know who I felt... Like, I, I want to see a whole movie from this character's perspective. The front desk guy at the network. Yeah. Who has to witness all the crazy stuff. And we have no idea. Like, he he knows, like, he's Brock. Seen, he's he knows seen some stuff. Yeah. Man, and some things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was wondering why they even gave Brock that assignment in the first place when it was obvious that he was, like, the the like vice news social justice warrior guy why didn't they just give the puff piece to somebody whose job it is to write puff pieces look none of the business owners in this movie make decisions that make sense they're too busy sending rockets and like fighting terrible attorneys and also can we just talk about how like carlton drake is like he has the technology to fly out to land on a comet and return back to earth but he his like scientific processes once he gets back to his lab are just so scattershot no they're just like just try it just, just try- do it 
I also didn't understand why he referred to it as first contact in the actual lab when obviously first contact had to happen out in the asteroid to cut to to get the symbiotes in the first place. Well, so also, 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 can I please point out that it took that little Asian girl six months to get a connecting flight from China to San Francisco. I did not notice that until now, and I am I hate this what? movie. Like, is the TSA that bad in the Sony-verse? It can take a while to get visas to China and vice versa. So, I mean... But the whole plot was that the body would reject the symbiote after certain a certain amount of time. That little girl was a symbiote for six months! Six months! I did, I did feel Not like... Not a good movie! The, <laughs> it's a terrible movie. I, I was I was actually really enjoying the be... performances of the actresses in like oh, yeah. Malaysia or whatever who were like taking on this character. I was like, Good good job. You're in this movie for thirty seconds and you were like gonna make the most of it. I was hoping it would cross over with crazy rich Asians for uh, a minute there. Just be like, <laughs> I'm gonna infect someone at the wedding. Aquafina is carnage. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? A crossover episode? Oh, oh I'd love that. Oh my All god. Right. Well, we are just about out of time. Is there anything we need to cover before we get out of here? I feel like we've talked this thing to death. Venom, if you find my number, call me. <laughs> that Venom's Venom's tongue, if you find my number. Oh dear lord. Call me. Oh god. You know what's gonna ha you know what this episode is gonna cause? The FCC is gonna send their drones to murder us on the way. Home. The FCC's gonna be like, we didn't think no. we needed to make a rule for this. The FCC lets honey boo boo on the air. American True. American drones don't kill white people. No, they didn't. Thank you for listening to KPFT HD two. Look, I am sticking with this with this the station's mission here. The okay. Um you're not wrong. I'm not. <laughs> you're it's not. Ridiculous. You're not wrong. Um, we're blowing up foreigners and robot airplanes. We're, we're we are not. We are not. Like if you if you want to hear more of that style of content, maybe perhaps browse the archives at kpft.org/listen. There are many programs that you can find on the air dealing with today's hot bush, bu hot button political issues. Hot button. Hot 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 hot, cr hot cross bun. <laughs> hot button political issues. Hot um, button. whereas. <laughs> To our wonderful guests, would you like to self-promote any social media or upcoming projects that you are a part of? So I am Patrick Simmons. You will be able to see me with the cast of Launchpad at Station Theater every uh, second and fourth Thursday. Station Theater off of Houston Avenue. And... Yeah, so uh, I also occasionally perform at Station. I'm not with any troops that are going on right now, but I'll plug Patrick shows. Because you could go, because he's very, very funny, and I'll use my plug to double up. I just found a replacement for Venom's tongue. <laughs> Ew! Oh, uh, endorsement, endorsement rescinded. Yeah, our, I know. Our show really brings people together and then tears them apart. <laughs> I think that's true. It is. It's, we've been on a roller coaster in these past 30 seconds, Patrick. I hate myself for what I just said. Oh, no. It's, it's Any, a, I'm not mad at you. Anyway... <laughs> Lord in heaven, thank Catch you. Catch us next week for a therapy session between me and Patrick. We'll stream that live on Facebook Live, too. Anyway. It'll be our bonus content, because we are doing a, a Bad Night at the El Royale next week, and I've been wanting to see that one all year. Oh, yeah. I'm so waiting for that. I mean, you know, if, if you really if you really want to find me, you can find me at K Brissack, B as in boy, R-I-S-A-C-K, uh... And my Instagram account is private, so, you know, I'll 
probably won't add you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find the show, uh, you can uh, look us up on Twitter. It's at uh, PopSchlock uh, Pop Pod. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, where we give you updates about what's going to be coming on air soon, it's at Live. Um, my personal Twitter and Instagram is at AmIWriterWrong, writer like typewriter. Um, Meredith is at Meredith Nudo. That's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-N-U-D-O. So just the way that you think it is. Um, thank you again for listening. Some people think it's N-U-D-E-A-U-X or N-U-D-E-A-U. Oh, yeah, the the, ca- the Cajun thing. That's right. Ooh. I need to stop bringing that up. I kind of want to be like, D-O-U-G-H. do I look Cajun to you? And nobody in this city knows what a Sicilian is. No, nobody <laughs> does. Anyway, uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. 